Book Four, Chapters Five to Seven of History of Animals by Aristotle, translated by Darcy Wentworth Thompson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Five. The urchins are devoid of flesh, and this is a character peculiar to them, and. While they are in all cases empty and devoid of any flesh within, they are in all cases furnished with the black formations. There are several species of the urchin, and one of these is that which is made use of for food. This is the kind in which are found the so-called eggs, large and edible, in the larger and smaller specimens alike for even when as yet very small they are provided with them there are two other species the spatangus and the so-called brussus these animals are pelagic and scarce further there are the echinometra or mother urchins the largest in size of all the species in addition to these there is another species small in size but furnished with large hard spines it lives in the sea at a depth of several fathoms and is used by some people as a specific for cases of strangury in the neighborhood of tarone there are sea urchins of a white color shells spines eggs and all and that are longer than the ordinary sea urchin the spine in this species is not large nor strong, but rather limp, and the black formations in connection with the mouth are more than usually numerous, and communicate with the external duct, but not with one another. In point of fact, the animal is in a manner divided up by them. The edible urchin moves with greatest freedom and most often, and this is indicated by the fact that these urchins have always something or other on their spines. All urchins are supplied with eggs, but in some of the species the eggs are exceedingly small and unfit for food. Singularly enough, the urchin has what we may call its head and its mouth down below, and a place for the issue of the residuum up above and this same property is common to all stromboids and to limpets for the food on which the creature lives lies down below consequently the mouth has a position well adapted for getting at the food and the excretion is above near to the back of the shell the urchin has also five hollow teeth inside and in the middle of these teeth a fleshy substance serving the office of a tongue. Next to this comes the esophagus, and then the stomach divided into five parts and filled with excretion, all the five parts uniting at the anal vent, where the shell is perforated for an outlet. Underneath the stomach in another membrane are the so-called eggs, identical in number in all cases, and that number is always an odd number, to it five. Up above, the black formations are attached to the starting point of the teeth, and they are bitter to the taste and unfit for food. A similar, or at least an analogous formation is found in many animals, as for instance in the tortoise, the toad, 
the frog, the stromboids, and generally in the mollusks. But the formation varies here and there in color, and in all cases is altogether uneatable, or more or less unpalatable. In reality, the mouth apparatus of the urchin is continuous from one end to the other, but to outward appearance it is not so, but looks like a horn lantern with the panes of horn left out. The urchin uses its spines as feet, for it rests its weight on these, and then, moving, shifts from place to place. Chapter 6 The so-called tathium, or ascidian, has of all these animals the most remarkable characteristics. It is the only mollusk that has its entire body concealed within its shell, and the shell is a substance intermediate between hide and shell, so that it cuts like a piece of hard leather. It is attached to rocks by its shell, and is provided with two passages placed at a distance from one another, very minute and hard to see, whereby it admits and discharges the sea-water, for it has no visible excretion, whereas of shellfish in general some resemble the urchin in this matter of excretion, and others are provided with the so-called mecon, or poppy juice. If the animal be opened, it is found to have, in the first place, a tendinous membrane running round inside the shell-like substance, and within this membrane is the flesh-like substance of the ascidian, not resembling that in other mollusks. But this flesh, to which I now allude, is the same in all ascidia. And this substance is attached in two places to the membrane and the skin, obliquely, and at the point of attachment the space is narrowed from side to side, where the fleshy substance stretches towards the passages that lead outwards through the shell, and here it discharges and admits food and liquid matter, just as it would if one of the passages were a mouth and the other an anal vent, and one of the passages is somewhat wider than the other one. Inside it has a pair of cavities, one on either side, a small partition separating them, and one of these two cavities contains the liquid. The creature has no other organ, whether motor or sensory, nor, as was said, in the case of the others is it furnished with any organ connected with excretion, as other shellfish are. The color of the ascidian is in some cases sallow, and in other cases red. There is, furthermore, the genus of the sea-nettles, peculiar in its way. The sea-nettle, or sea-anemone, clings to rocks like certain of the testations, but at times relaxes its hold. It has no shell, but its entire body is fleshy. It is sensitive to touch, and, if you put your hand to it, it will seize and cling to it, as the cuttlefish would do with its feelers and in such a way as to make the flesh of your hand swell up. Its mouth is in the centre of its body, and it lives adhering to the rock as an oyster to its shell. If any little fish come up against it, it clings to it. In fact, just as I described it above as doing to your hand, so it does to anything edible that comes in its way, and it feeds upon sea urchins and scallops. Another species of the sea-nettle roams freely abroad. The sea-nettle appears to be devoid altogether of excretion, 
and in this respect it resembles a plant. Of sea nettles there are two species, the lesser and more edible, and the larger hard ones, such as are found in the neighborhood of Chalcis. In winter time their flesh is firm, and accordingly they are sought after as articles of food, but in summer weather they are worthless, for they become thin and watery, and if you catch at them they break at once into bits, and cannot be taken off the rocks entire, and being oppressed by the heat they tend to slip back into the crevices of the rocks. So much for the external and the internal organs of mollusks, crustaceans, and testations. Chapter 7 We now proceed to treat of insects in like manner. This genus comprises many species, and though several kinds are clearly related to one another, these are not classified under one common designation, as in the case of the bee, the drone, the wasp, and all such insects, and again as in the case of those that have their wings in a sheath or shard, like the cockchafer, the carabus or stag beetle, the cantharis or blister beetle, and the like. Insects have three parts common to them all, the hand, the trunk containing the stomach, and a third part in betwixt these two, corresponding to what in other creatures embraces chest and back. In the majority of insects this intermediate part is single, but in the long and multipedal insects it has practically the same number of segments as of nicks. All insects, when cut in two, continue to live, excepting such as are naturally cold by nature or such as from their minute size chill rapidly, though, by the way, wasps, notwithstanding their small size, continue living after severance. In conjunction with the middle portion, either the head or the stomach can live, but the head cannot live by itself. Insects that are long in shape and many-footed can live for a long while after being cut in twain, and the severed portions can move in either direction, backwards or forwards. Thus the hinder portion, if cut off, can crawl either in the direction of the section or in the direction of the tail, as is observed in the scolopendra. All insects have eyes, but no other organ of sense discernible, except that some insects have a kind of a tongue, corresponding to a similar organ common to all testations, and by this organ such insects taste and imbibe their food. In some insects this organ is soft, in other insects it is firm, as it is, by the way, in the purple fish among testations. In the horsefly and the gadfly this organ is hard, and indeed it is hard in most insects. In point of fact, such insects as have no sting in the rear use this organ as a weapon, and, by the way, such insects as are provided with this organ are unprovided with teeth, with the exception of a few insects. The fly, by a touch, can draw blood with this organ, and the gnat can prick or sting with it. Certain insects are furnished with prickers or stings. Some insects have the sting inside, as the bee and the wasp, others outside, as the scorpion. And, by the way, this is the only insect furnished with a long tail. 
and further the scorpion is furnished with claws as is also the creature resembling a scorpion found within the pages of books in addition to their other organs flying insects are furnished with wings some insects are dipterous or double-winged as the fly others are tetraptrous or furnished with four wings as the bee and by the way no insect with only two wings has a sting in the rear again some winged insects have a sheath or shard for their wings as the cockchafer whereas in others the wings are unsheathed as in the bee but in the case of all alike flight is in no way modified by tail steerage and the wing is devoid of quill structure or division of any kind again some insects have antennae in front of their eyes as the butterfly and the horned beetle such of them as have the power of jumping have the hinder legs the longer and these long hind legs whereby they jump bend backwards like the hind legs of quadrupeds all insects have the belly different from the back as in fact is the case with all animals the flesh of an insect's body is neither shell-like nor is it like the internal substance of shell-covered animals nor is it like flesh in the ordinary sense of the term but it is a something intermediate in quality wherefore they have nor spine nor bone nor sepia bone nor enveloping shell but their body by its hardness is its own protection and requires no extraneous support however insects have a skin but the skin is exceedingly thin knees and such like are the external organs of insects internally next after the mouth comes a gut in the majority of cases straight and simple down to the outlet of the residuum but in a few cases the gut is coiled no insect is provided with any viscera or is supplied with fat and these statements apply to all animals devoid of blood some have a stomach also and attached to this the rest of the gut either simple or convoluted as in the case of the acris or grasshopper the tedix or cicada alone of such creatures and in fact alone of all creatures is unprovided with a mouth but it is provided with the tongue-like formation found in insects furnished with frontward stings and this formation in the cicada is long continuous and devoid of any split and by the aid of this the creature feeds on dew and on dew only and in its stomach no excretion is ever found of the cicada there are several kinds and they differ from one another in relative magnitude and in this respect that the acetes or chirper is provided with a cleft or aperture under the hypozoma and has in it a membrane quite discernible whilst the membrane is indiscernible in the tetigonia furthermore there are some strange creatures to be found in the sea which from their rarity we are unable to classify experienced fishermen affirm some that they have at times seen in the sea animals like sticks black rounded and of the same thickness throughout others that they have seen creatures resembling shields red in color and furnished with fins packed close together and others that they have seen creatures resembling the male organ in shape and size 
with a pair of fins in the place of the testicles, and they aver that on one occasion a creature of this description was brought up on the end of a night-line. So much, then, for the parts external and internal, exceptional and common, of all animals. End of chapter 7